0: welcome to the first baseball insiders episode of 2023 the new year the new team for carlos correa for the third time this offseason and joining me as always live on the program is fansite mlb insider robert murray robert happy new year happy nfl playoffs happy mlb offseason peaking have we ever i mean peaking maybe ever we've never seen a player sign three 200 plus million dollar contracts in one off season before have we so that has to be as good as it gets for us contract buffs
1: oh my gosh yeah like never before we've we seen anything like it we waited 19 days for him to sign his or to agree to his third 200 plus million dollar contract which i'm glad it's all over um because that was an absolute whirlwind like i was on vacation um and still tracking it from afar but um here we are and also we got ourselves a new background today I'm, I'm back in Sheboygan Falls Wisconsin so um good to be back home
0: I see obviously the the big old Badgers helmet what's the rest of the memorabilia is it all Badgers
1: so we got a Philadelphia Eagles helmet or helmet, uh, right next to it. And then there's also a Namdi Asamoah, uh, Eagles fathead, which I was so excited when the Eagles signed Namdi, and then he turned out to be the biggest bust in Eagles free agent history. Um, and then to my right is we have an autographed picture of me with Winnie the Pooh that was signed by JT snow. Um, so, um, yeah, that's, uh. Yeah, we got quite the collection down here.
0: Bro. I was gonna say also Namdi Asimwa as a joke, assuming you were gonna say Winnie the Pooh, but then you topped me, so I, I don't really have anything for you there.
1: Yeah, who would have thought we'd have Namdi Asimwa and JT Snow mentioned in the first minute back on the show? Like, that's that's a sign of how weird this podcast is gonna be. Oh boy, let's. I'm
0: personally... uh... I'm enjoying, like, kicking the can down the line and making people wait for the real information. When did you run into JT Snow and Winnie the Pooh at the same time?
1: Um, See, I have not actually run into Winnie the Pooh, um, okay. at least not yet. Um, I would like to meet him and Eeyore. Uh, Eeyore seems like a, a nice fellow. Yes, um, yes. But JT Snow, he was my mom's favorite player when I was a kid, and you um, just happened to see me wearing giant stuff as I was, like, three or four, and he just ended up signing a uh, – a picture of the Winnie the Pooh because I didn't have anything else to sign. So naturally, I mean, yeah, I'm freaking
0: orange and black. I mean, it's basically Winnie the Pooh. Uh, or no, I'm thinking of Tigger. I'm thinking of Tigger. I'm oh, an idiot. yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean,
1: not not to be. Yeah, you. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. You're not an idiot. No,
0: I I appreciate that. But that is a dumbass move. Uh, but what <laughs> am I what am I doing here? We got we got to talk. Uh, we got to catch our everybody up on on three three solid weeks of of baseball news, and and we can't really undersell. The Carlos Correa thing, and and of course, uh, I, I will get to everybody in the comments too. We really appreciate you dropping by the stream. We live stream 3:30 Eastern time Mondays and Thursdays all off season long, and and probably gonna change. You know, regular season we're gonna be here when you need us. There's big big old breaking news, uh, or off season the winter meetings you'll find us here as well. So we welcome your your comments during the stream in the chat. Also subscribing to the channel, subscribing to the audio feed, all that good stuff. Uh, we, uh, we are nothing without all of you guys and, and happy to see everybody welcoming us back and saying happy new year. You guys rule and, and we'll definitely get to your comments throughout the show, of course. Although sad, most of the comments so far are like, how does my team regroup after missing X player? Uh, a lot of the hope of the off season is, is somewhat over at this point. It's like these, these guys are gone and they maybe didn't you, choose your team. But the Correa thing is sort of the, one of the weirdly more hopeful baseball stories in a long time. Uh, in addition to one of the overall strangest. Because, of course, the Giants sign him to this mega deal. They don't get him. The Mets sign him to this mega deal. Steve Cohen, five my ties deep in Hawaii, talks to John Heyman and says, you know, this is the guy we needed. And, and so two fan bases are ultimately let down by this. But the Twins, two off-seasons in a row, a team that I think you would objectively say – if a Twins fan came in your mentions or came in the comments and was like, do we have a shot at Carlos Correa, top player this offseason? I, my first inclination is to be like, eh, the Cubs, eh, the Dodgers, and the, maybe he goes back to the Astros, the Yankees, maybe they get it. Like, I'm listing a lot of teams before I get to the Twins. And yet, two offseasons in a row. This offseason, obviously, very complicated circumstances. Last offseason, he was looking to test that opt-out, and it worked. But he's back in Minnesota. Robert when did the tide really and truly turn here and the twins jumping back in this thing became more of a reality than a fantasy?
1: Yeah, this, I can, I'm going to warn you now. This is going to be a long winded answer here. Good. It's It's
0: a crazy thing.
1: It is a, it is a crazy thing. It's unlike anything we've ever seen in baseball history, a player signing, not one, not two, but three uh, or agreeing. That's the key phrase here is agreeing Mm. to three separate 200 plus million dollar contracts. Um, Correa was the Giants' priority, and ultimately they ended up agreeing to that $350 million deal. And that was something that they had to do because it was either at that point going to be Correa or bust. Um, and they scheduled that press conference. They, they announced the press conference and all of a sudden they canceled it. Um, and then obviously the issues with the physical there happened. He then quickly, and I mean, quickly agreed to that deal with the Mets like, As soon as that window opened for the Mets, they hopped into it immediately because Steve Cohen made it clear at that moment and then later on talking with Heyman that he wanted Carlos Correa. He thought that was the piece that was going to put them over the top. Um, And it was very strange seeing him go on the record um, before that physical was complete. And also Scott Boris went on the record about it too. And he even said that the physical was even announced when the physical was going to be. And all of a sudden, the Mets flagged flagged that physical, too. But all along, the Twins lurked as a possibility. They really liked what they got from Carlos Correa last year, both on the field. Like, Obviously, he's a very good player, um, both offensively and defensively. He posted a a really good war last year. Um, But they also really like his baseball IQ and what he ended up bringing to the clubhouse as a leader. And they thought that was invaluable, but they were never going to be in a position where they would offer him a 300 plus million dollar contract. That's why they entered this offseason relatively unlikely to retain him. Um, but if the window opened and it, there was a possibility that he could end up signing for less, they wanted to make sure they were ready and they were adamant and they were consistent about staying in contact with Boris. And then about, I would say there was optimism Roughly about two weeks after that, Mets physical was was flagged. Um, they became more hopeful, and the conversations with Boris started to pick up there. Um, and then the night before, um, the night before they ended up agreeing to that deal, you could sense a lot of optimism uh, from the from the twin side. Like they went from being around like one percent confident to like, okay, we're we're thinking we're going to get this player. And then ultimately they wrapped it up. They were comfortable with the physical and, and here we are, here we are now. And as I said before, I'm glad it's over. I felt bad for the person. Cause I think I don't wish that kind of experience on any player. Cause that had to have just been an emotional roller coaster. Um, but he got his payday and he wanted that payday. Um, he also, what, well, he ended up getting less total dollars than Bogarts, Trey Turner, and might be missing somebody else. Um, but he he got a higher annual average value. I, I think that's going to be something that I, – I think that was important to him.
0: Yeah, and and there's still money on the table beyond those six years. Like, he, he gets those six guaranteed years, and then there's all sorts of these – it almost feels like an NFL contract with these, like, extra hurdles he has to jump through or, or like, voidable-ish years they remind you of almost – but this could continue to stretch on and on. Uh, and the, the crucial part is, uh, you know, the Giants, right? We, we never knew there could be any problem with the physical because we haven't seen anything like this in so many years. But they flag it, and they're sort of instantly judged. Then the Mets make a really loud noise about finalizing this deal that they're so proud of. And then sort of quietly two days later, they have the same problem with the physical. Uh, and negotiations there obviously stretched on for two plus, two and a half, three weeks. The twins, it's announced that it's still pending physical when we first hear about the deal. But then there's all sorts of that optimism that you mentioned that like the hardest part of the physical is over. The twins already know his medicals, they know what they're getting. Uh, that's why they dove back in here because they are comfortable. Um, why do you think Minnesota was so comfortable? with something that made the Mets and Giants so itchy? Was it familiarity with the player? Was it a risk assessment knowing that they're the Mets, they're going to have a lot more shots at a a guy like Correa? We're the Twins. We know him. We love him. Maybe this is our last chance to really pull something like this off. It it felt so easy when it got to the finish line, but maybe only because the Twins had a year's worth of data, basically, to back it up.
1: Yeah, and – I think there's a few answers to this question is obviously the twins, they know the player, they're comfortable with the player and they were able to assess him. Um, after the season ended, obviously those are not the most thorough exams at the end of the season, but they had a, they had an idea of what uh, Correa's medicals look like, but also these teams had concerns about how Correa would age in terms of like his health in terms with what, his left ankle, um, And for the twins doing a six year deal, the, I mean, well, six guaranteed seasons, there's much less risk involved there, as opposed to what the giants and Mets were going to do with 10 plus guaranteed seasons. Um, obviously there's different factors that, um, that Korea is going to need to do, um, or need to reach in order to like guarantee those seventh, eighth, ninth and 10th seasons. Like I even have them right here is, um, So he needs to, in terms of awards, if he wins any of these awards um, in the immediate preceding seasons, like one of those options will vest. It will be the World Series MVP, the LCS MVP, MVP being first through fifth, and Silver Slugger. And then he's also got to be, in 2028, he's got to reach 575 plate appearances 2029 550 plate appearances, 2030 525 plate appearances, and in 2031 uh 502 plate appearances. We're we're bringing you all the data here in the baseball inside.
0: I, I love anyway. that 502. That the idea that he yeah. could be crossing that 500 threshold and, and the Twins could go, "Ooh, so close. Need need to see two more plate appearances from you actually."
1: Yeah, how do you settle on that? I'm I'm genuinely really curious. It's like what happens if one side says 503 and the other is at 501 but like no no no. The, meet twin, at
0: the twins sliding five oh five across the table and Cray and Boris <laughs> picking it up and being like five oh two. Yeah, <laughs> see that's crazy.
1: why you have lawyers right there. They can detect that kind of stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I'll tell you. I, I've always wondered how that, that kind of stuff gets agreed to, but um but I, I think the risk um was much less going to answer your question, the risk was much less for the twins on a six year deal um than a ten plus year deal at the Mets in in Giants were offering. And also too, like even the Mets's their offer after they flagged the physical, I think that what well, the same the report suggested that it was a six year contract, right?
0: The Mets, the, the latest I heard, and I don't know if you've heard differently, was that there were similar, like he could eventually fill it out if he did pass other benchmarks, but that the final number was six years, 157.5 million, which yeah. is is less guaranteed than Dansby Swanson. I mean, that's the low end of the shortstop pool. So yeah. the Mets offer is definitely not quite what the Twins were willing to, to go to.
1: Yeah. And I also think that just goes to show you how concerned the Mets were about that physical Um and the Twins, small market team, I think that's pretty safe to say. Um, they blew the Mets out of the water and they wanted the player and they got the player because of it.
0: Yeah. And Steve Cohen's brashness, I mean, we could talk about it all day. He was confident enough coming out of the Giants crumpled deal to say, I'm uh, to call a payment and say, this is the piece we needed, this is the piece we were missing. And I think some of that led to the Giants looking worse here briefly because people were saying steve cohen obviously you know he, he's he's got a lot of money to work with but he's not going to be so foolish as to go to the media and start talking about all this without knowing he's going to finish this and so everybody was saying what did the giants flag why were they so nervous do they come out looking any better at the end of this process after it drags on so much longer and and minnesota has to jump in as the third team do, do you feel a little better about the giants offseason
1: I do, um, because that in, like initially after they flagged the physical and the deal was was no more, that was a PR nightmare. And Farhan Zaidi was public enemy number one in San Francisco, and he had a lot of questions to answer, not just with the fan base, but with his own organization, um, and specifically the players too. Is like they had to, he had to take control of that situation in San Francisco. Like he had he held a meeting. Um, with a bunch of people in the organization trying to answer different questions and um, trying to like, just explain what happened. Um, And I, it, I mean, it, it's unfortunate what happened with Correa, but it really helped the giants from a PR perspective that they were not the only team that were concerned about Correa's physical. Um, So they, they absolutely did come out looking better because of this, but like not having that big fish, um, that they were so adamant about getting that, that stings. They added some good pieces to that team, but they don't have a franchise player yet. And that really hurts them. And if you look at, cause they don't have a long-term shortstop right now. Cause Brandon Crawford is, is toward the end of his career. If you look at the, the free agent shortstop market going forward, there's basically one name out there. It's going to be Willie Adamas, um, And there's going to be a long list of suitors when eventually or when he eventually becomes a free agent or if he's ever available in the trademark. And I can tell you right now, he's not available. So the Giants are just going to probably have to stick with stick with what they got in terms of a shortstop for right now.
0: Yeah, still a lot of shortstop holes throughout the league, too. Yankees are going with the kids. The Red Sox let one of their guys go a couple weeks ago. Her story is out for a large portion of this year there are some big market teams that might have a shortstop need the Giants are gonna have to butt heads with them yet again uh, not to do the thanks for the baseball memories but it's been a while where where were you when the Giants deal fell apart in the middle of that were you sleeping you were probably pretty close to sleeping right because I woke up to a notification on the east coast from like 3 38 a.m. I don't know what Heyman was doing I don't know if he was like I don't know, Irishing up that coffee and waiting for Cohen to give him a call. But that all went down. I've never seen anything like that in my life. And I feel like we could have done a 4 a.m. live show. Sorry, guys, we, we, we missed it. But that, I mean, there's never been anything like that before.
1: No. And it's it's funny because I was sound asleep um, when that happened. Like, I feel like 99% of America was sound asleep at that point. Um, and then I woke up and I had a bunch of text messages from people in baseball and I looked at Twitter and it was like, son of a gun, because I slept through Korea signing twice. Uh, I slept through him signing with the twins last year. um, And then I slept through him signing this year. Um, So it's, yeah, just pure madness. Um, And yeah, I I just, I got to make sure it's, I lead the league in sleeping through scoops is, is what I do. Because um, I have missed a number of scoops this year, I missed out on the Johnny Cueto one the other day. I had that text, and your boy was sound asleep at 11 p.m. So, uh, moral of the story is just don't sleep. Um, you
0: wake up early. You wake up early though, and you lift right. So, like you're you're prepping yourself for the next day. You're you're being smart by falling asleep early. But sometimes Johnny Cueto signs it in the dead of night. You just don't know.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then there's sometimes where you wake up to a text and nobody's reported yet. You know, like. That's gonna be the way I start my day, and that's like it's the best coffee of all time. Like at that <laughs> point, I could just go to the gym just right there and and be great. But um, yeah, just
0: I, I can't sleep anymore. Yeah, I hope you people are you wake up with a five forty a.m. bomb. Hope you people got your retweeting fingers ready. Hope y'all are up. Sometimes, <laughs> right. yeah, sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. Um, I I want to give right before we move on from Korea. I just want to give Talking Twins baseball credit for asking how much people are overlooking the twins front office for, for getting this really good win net win, win contract done. And, and this also bleeds into last year's Correa's twins contract for me, because you wonder how much was flagged and what people, it, it obviously no one expected him to go to Minnesota last year for just three years. And then once he did, everybody knew that the opt out was coming, but the twins stayed with the player They obviously made an impression on him. What we heard from Scott Boris yesterday was there was a short list here of teams that the Correas were looking at, and Minnesota was always on that list. He said that at the press conference. Uh, So, yeah, does Minnesota's front office deserve maybe more credit here as one of the up-and-coming front offices for getting this done, not once but twice, and defying the odds to bring him back?
1: 1,000% they do. And Boris even said that he was really impressed with – their persistence, but also their creativity in getting this done is like the different structures in this contract and like different, um, ways that those options can vest, um, was creative with how they structure the deal last year, um, was, was impressive too. And, I I think the twins are in really good hands with their current front office and they deserve a lot of credit because I think what he or what talking twins baseball said is spot on. I think they're the arguably one of the most underrated front offices or front offices in baseball. Um, And yeah, I'm just, I'm very impressed. I think they've done a good job this winter. Obviously they took a bit of a gamble here with Joey Gallo. We'll see how that one plays out. I think being in a, in the, not being in a place that comes with the pressure of New York is going to help him, um, and it could lead to a resurgent year. Um, but they've taken calculated risks. I don't think they're done by any means. I wouldn't be surprised if teams continue to call them about some of their starting pitchers who are on expiring contracts. Say maybe they do. It, it, let's. This is just a, a hypothetical here with what the what what the Twins could do here is if they trade one of those starting pitchers. Um, with Sonny Gray, he's getting a decent amount of interest throughout the league. You trade him. Um, do you go out and sign a guy like Michael Walker then to a one or two year contract? I don't know. Um, but it's one of the scenarios that they're surely going to consider. Um, but I just give them a lot of credit cause they pulled this off when not many people thought they could.
0: I give them a ton of credit. I also don't think they're done. Um, and you're not a smart baseball front office if you're not tempted by Joey Gallo at least once. like everybody, everybody's getting tempted by Joey Gallo. <laughs> uh, you you want to be the one to solve it and, and figure it out. So I give the credit to the twins for getting in that pool and then looking at what the Yankees and Dodgers failed to do and saying we're gonna try to succeed. Um, before we move on to to a few questions, we've got a lot percolating in the chat. Um, and I this is gonna spin sort of directly into, uh, some of the Marlins follow-ups, and I'll get there in a little bit. But uh, the Red Sox, who we've bagged on plenty this offseason, uh, get something done. They get the thing they had to get done done. They sign Rafael Devers probably for life, an 11-year deal. They don't go too far off the deep end, but 330 million dollars—it's—it's—it's it's, it's a lot. It's fair. That's you know, it's not a free agent deal. It's an extension. He wanted to be there. He stays there. Uh, Now, I'm of the mind that they had to get this done, and they clearly were, too, at a certain point, especially after losing Xander Bogarts, but how quickly did this come together? Was there ever really any danger of things falling apart after Bogarts left, or was that money sort of always ticketed for Devers? Because, you know, you and I were pessimistic, and then Tom Verducci that week, I believe one day before the extension happened, said he did not see Devers finishing this season in Boston. Then all of a sudden, boom, you know, he gets paid pretty fairly. So um, was this really teetering on the edge, or did Boston know what they were doing as soon as Bogarts left?
1: Um, I I was not – when Bogarts left, I wasn't overly confident that they'd be able to keep Devers. Um, They were two separate things, and like – and Devers even said like – or I don't – actually, I I don't know the exact quote, so I don't want to like put words into his mouth, but – Um, there was not a whole lot of optimism that they'd be able to get an extension done now. Um, but it was probably about a week or so before, um, the extension was ultimately agreed to that optimism started coming from both sides. And then about two days beforehand, there was buzz that a deal was close. I could never get that across the finish line, but I felt good about it. Um, and ultimately they ended up agreeing to this contract and it's structured, I mean it's it's pretty straightforward. Like there's it's basically anywhere from like twenty-seven and a half million to about thirty-one million per season. But I think a, a interesting detail in this, I don't know if this has been reported yet. Um each year comes with seven and a half million deferred. Um so um I think the like the value long term or with inflation is gonna probably be about two hundred and ninety-one mil. I don't know if that's factoring in. Uh, them agreeing to that seventeen point five million dollar deal to ex- avoid arbitration or not, but um, they had to lock up. Um, they had to lock up Devers. Like that was an essential move for them because if you don't extend him, you're going to be in a lot of trouble with PR. Like in terms of PR for that entire team, you don't know what that long term outlook of the franchise is going to look like. It was. It was essential. I did not have a lot of optimism that it would get done, but lo and behold, it did. Um, And props to the front office because they stepped up when a lot of people were down on on their outlook and about their chances of ultimately retaining Devers.
0: Yeah. Uh, Again, like you're right. The PR battle element of this alone makes the move essential. But uh, the on-field, you know, this team without this cornerstone long-term after inheriting Mookie Betts and xander bogarts and to an extent andrew benintendi you can't let this guy go before the next generation is ready and it is a regroup by the front office and a pretty good one which which makes you think what is next because signing devers to the long-term deal uh everybody else they've brought in this offseason is up there in age justin turner like the player maybe not now maybe now who knows but you know that that's a 38 year old man Um, and the Marlins feel like a natural fit, at least to me. And so Joshua, uh, is asking about, you know, any Marlins trade targets, maybe getting the Marlins involved with the Brian Reynolds sweepstakes. There were sort of these reports last week that, uh, maybe the Red Sox were interested in the Marlins pitching surplus. Maybe they're into Joey Wendell a little bit, even though maybe not so much after yesterday's news. Uh, maybe Hassan Kim from San Diego is a fit at shortstop because right now, they don't have Xander Bogarts. They don't have Trevor story for an extremely long time. No one's really clear on what that injury, what the surgery was, whether it's six months, four months closer to full Tommy John, they insisted he'd be back this season. Yeah. I think you only say that if you're not totally sure if he will be or not. <laughs> like if it's mm-hmm. not a question, you don't say it right. Like exactly. Like, so I don't know. I mean, the Red Sox need a shortstop. The Red Sox certainly need pitching, And the Red Sox are not going to trade Rafael Devers this year, so they intend to contend in some capacity. uh, Rumors were swirling they might that the Marlins like Tristan Casas and the Red Sox don't really seem to like the idea of doing that. But do you think there's a match between those two sides and what's the next step for the Red Sox?
1: I, I think I'm not overly optimistic that they'll be able to reach that. That's just my gut there. It's not based on any conversations that I've had. Um, I just can't see them moving Tristan Casas. I, I I envision him being in Boston for the long haul here. Um, but in terms of some shortstop options, like the, the market is pretty bare at this point. You can you can look at free agency, Jose Iglesias. You have Elvis Andrews. I think, and again, this is me just spitballing here. Um, I wonder if a guy like Paul DeYoung is a possibility there. Um He's been, he's had a, he's had an up and down last couple of years in St. Louis. I think that's putting it very lightly. Um, and he would be a buy low guy. His salary is relatively cheap. Um, maybe cause it wouldn't cost him that much either by a trade. Um, but the options are pretty bare and not having Xander Bogarts or Trevor story as your shortstop on opening day. That's tough. That is, that's really tough. And, even last year, I I remember having conversations with different teams, and they were worried that Story would eventually need a major elbow surgery. And lo and behold, a year after signing for six years, he needed that, um, which is unfortunate for the Red Sox, but it's a reality now, and there's not really an obvious solution.
0: That's the toughest part. You, you go into the season without Bogarts, and people are already asking, are we sure Trevor Story is a shortstop with that elbow? Like, are we sure? Uh, and you know you can cite whatever you'd like about his offensive profile now he's not even an option for you so it, it gets all the bleaker Um, and I think that was typified by the trade yesterday where the Dodgers flip uh, Jacob Amaya to Miami for Miguel Rojas uh, that's another team with question marks at shortstop and they upgrade by trading for Miggy Rowe great utility guy someone who's got familiarity there he was a dodger once upon a time uh but that that sort of that that shows to me how difficult it is to find a bona fide guaranteed rubber stamp starting shortstop this offseason because i'm not sure what miguel rojas is at this point either what did you make of this trade from la's perspective
1: i thought it was interesting um i think it might be a, a short term like a stop cap kind of thing um because from based on my reporting, the Dodgers really like Willie Adamas. But any inquiries there basically went nowhere just because the Brewers want to build around Adamas and they want to win with him this year. Um, so maybe in a year or so, uh, Adamas is more available. Who knows? Um, but Rojas, uh, he's been a good player throughout his career. Um, struggled offensively last year, but he's a good defender. Um, and you, I mean, defense is very important. You can see teams have obviously placed a, a bigger emphasis on that um, in recent seasons, and rightfully so. Um, but that they're another team that has downgraded pretty heavily at the shortstop position because they went two years ago, they had Corey Seager as their shortstop. Last year, they had Trey Turner, and Turner could play all over the infield. Now you have Miguel Rojas. Um, they, I mean, Jacob Amaya, he's a uh, well thought of infielder. Um, So it's not like they paid a small price here, but um, the Dodgers are are hopeful that um, that he'll be a better offensive player this year. But also that being said, um, I think I saw Craig Mish of um, Sports Grid down in Miami who's as plugged in with the Marlins as anyone. Um, He reported that Rojas may need another procedure. Mm -hmm. Um, So like that I don't know exactly the timeline on that one, but um, that's not exactly what you want. But ultimately, the Dodgers felt comfortable with it um, because they they passed the physical and made the deal official last night.
0: Yeah, and they're they're not done wheeling and dealing either. It would seem, you know, whether we're I, I don't think either of us are optimistic about the Red Sox and Marlins finding a fit, but we're trying to end the off season with some bangs here. The Marlins pitching staff is still overflowing and. Uh, just because you slept through Johnny Cueto doesn't mean it didn't happen. It wasn't a dream. They really did add a pitcher after all of that. So um, maybe their infield log jam has been cleared up a little bit. Maybe they're still interested in talking with the Yankees, uh, who apparently engaged with them at last year's deadline. Pablo Lopez, Glaber Torres, some names you hear floating around. Who the heck knows? But Miami needs to find a home for Cabrera, Rogers, Lazardo. Pablo, I mean, there, there's a lot of names there on the mound that uh, I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Marlins are not going with an eight-man rotation this year, right? So they, they do need to rid <laughs> of
1: Yeah, I, I feel pretty confident they're not going to go with an eight-man rotation. I do fully expect them to trade one of their starters. Um, they've had conversations with a bunch of different teams around the league. I, Minnesota Twins are one of them, so are that they've also talked to the Marlins about their pitching surplus, but everything I've gathered is nothing's close there. I know there was a, some speculation on Twitter last night about a certain package there, but no, that, that's not the case at all.
0: Interesting. Uh, well, yeah, not over till it's over. Another uh, clock's ticking. It's only about a month until pitchers and catchers, but they have some some questions to unload there. Um, I'll pivot to talk Cubbies for a little bit. Uh, we got some desperate Cubs fans in here, as we oh, always man. do, but uh, there has been some Cubs movement, uh, Johnny, or the Cubs done adding Hunter Murray needs Cubs news from you. Um, our fans, our fans, uh, addressing you by last name first. I, I find that interesting. But yeah, uh, I'm good with it.
1: Whatever makes them comfortable, I guess.
0: As long as you're good with it, I, I won't. Oh, yeah. Um, but love to have you guys at the Cubs fans chirping. And since we last spoke, they do add Eric Hosmer. Um, I'm not sure what that does. I, I'll never be sure what that does until I see it on the field. Didn't see it last year for the Red Sox, so I don't know if he's going to be consummate winner guy or. Bad defense, singles-hitting guy. I don't know if Wrigley Field helps him at all. I know the Cubs have a prospect everybody likes. Matt Mervis, who gets blocked there now, uh, didn't work out for Tristan Casas last year. All in all, are are you hearing any rumblings about the Cubbies for our friends in the comments? And are you more of a Cubs pessimist or optimist now?
1: See, I really like what the Cubs did this offseason. I think what they ended up doing was really smart. Obviously, they, they wanted that shortstop, and they got Dansby Swanson on a deal that was more than what the Braves offered. But I think what, um, what the Cubs ended up signing him for was indicative of his value on this market, especially with the current free agent shortstop prices, which were absolutely banana land. Um, and they added Cody Bellinger, who I think is the biggest boomer bust free agent in baseball um, that if, if they hit on that, we're looking at a playoff team. Um, I feel I feel pretty confident about that. Um, They added Jamison Tyone, who I think is a really smart addition, especially with Kyle Hendricks, his injury situation there. Um, I think they just need that. They need to add bullpen help, maybe even explore adding another bat or even another starting pitcher. But in terms of Matt Mervis, he is my sneaky pick. To be the rookie of the year in the National League. I'm very high on him. I have been hearing buzz about him basically all off season. Like he was the Arizona fall league MVP. Um, It just, it seems like his radar has been just pointing up or his, his stock has been just going up uh, all off season. Cubs are really optimistic about what they have there. Like they're going to find a way to get him at bats. I do. I don't, I don't know what his chances are of making the opening day roster. I'm trying not to put too much pressure on the guy, Yeah. Um, but like, I, I would imagine he debuts sometime earlier in the season, just just a guess there. Um, but they have some really good pieces, like obviously the talented major league roster. It's it's upgraded from last year. I think that's pretty safe to say. Um, but you also they have another outfielder in that farm system, Pete Kerr Armstrong. Mm-hmm. They got him from the Mets a couple of years ago in exchange for Javier Baez. Very 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 high on him. Like Cubs are in good hands. I think Jed Hoyer. It, based, based on what Cubs fans have said about him in the past. This could be controversial, but I think, I think he's done a good job. I'm, I'm, I'm thoroughly, or I'm thoroughly impressed with Jed Oyer.
0: I think he's done a good job too. And, and I, th- I do like this recurring theme of just setting Eric Hosmer up to get his job stolen by a different rookie in every city. Uh, it's, it's cruel. Cool. <laughs> I'm not sure what he did uh, in a past life or a present life to earn, earn this treatment. But yeah, I think Alan, I the Cubs will be afraid to go with the youth movement in Mervis and wherever it presents itself. Cause you're right. It's, it's boomer bust this year. There will be ample opportunities, whether it's boomer bust. Uh, yeah. Bellinger, man, somebody uh was talking about how they thought his shoulder had been slipping and losing traction ever since he dislocated it in the 2020 CS on that home run celebration. And yeah. That seems so valid, but it's also so dark. So I'm I'm rooting for the best for him because that's that's no way to end a career.
1: No, it's not, and I would feel awful if that was like how it how, how his career ended. Yeah. Um. I don't think it will be, but um, it is concerning that it's been what three years since since that injury occurred. I don't think he's hit above two forty since, which yeah. that's really unfortunate. Um. So I'm hoping for the best for him.
0: Very much so. And, and Cubbies fans, we will keep you updated if we hear anything. Uh, a lot of chatter in here too uh, about the Jays and, and their pursuit of a fourth uh, outfielder. Uh, these are the names that you're hearing floating around a lot these days. McCutcheon still looking for a job. Duvall, Mancini, Grossman. Uh, and You wrote a great piece connecting Duvall to the Yankees today. Um, just sort of saying, it, just throwing it out there like, hey, you know, you never know. Um, and obviously the Blue Jays are, are looking through these names. They're, they're flipping through the Rolodex. But I don't want to discount the addition of Brandon Belt because it was not too long ago that Brandon Belt uh, was, first of all, you know, a captain type in the Giants locker room, a giant for life, who for some reason is not a giant for life. Uh, but also he produced like a megastar during 2021 when obviously everybody in San Francisco was on something and was having a career year on on vibes not on don't get that there you go yeah yeah, i'm not that's not what i'm saying uh i understood i put a hard period on that but the, the san francisco giants clubhouse was riled up that year and he had a 975 ops with the 2021 giants which is not too long ago uh so are you hearing any rumblings in toronto and uh am i right to be saying that that the belt move sometimes you see twitter just discount a player and i feel like brandon belt was one of those where people are like Oh, imagine if my team ends up just settling for branded belt. It was really good. Really recently.
1: He was. And like to answer your first question is I have not heard any names specifically linked to the Blue Jays here. So I, I won't pretend to know anything on that one, but um, I too thought the belt signing was smart. It was to me initially when I saw it was what for 9.3 million. Yep. I thought that was a little bit high, but I talked to other teams who had him in that ballpark too. And he was at the end sorting through multiple offers, um, but ultimately felt most wanted by the Blue Jays. And it continues a really good uh, – it, it, they've had a – I don't know how I want to phrase their season. I think it's been good. It's been interesting. Interesting is the right word. I think it's an interesting offseason. I, I love the Dalton Varshow trade. I thought that was really smart. Um, gave up more than I was expecting, but like Var is a stud. Um but Belt can get he can get at bats and also play first base. He could spell Vlager or Junior and get him maybe some DH time, uh keep him fresh throughout the entire season. Like it adds another experienced hitter um to that lineup. I'm curious to see what else they do here. I think adding another outfielder would be smart. I think just, I don't know, just being opportunistic. I think that that's the right word here for the Blue Jays. I think they should be opportunistic, but um, I'm curious to see what exactly they are this season. Cause I'm, as I said, their off season has been interesting. Um, I'm higher on the Yankees than I am the Blue Jays. I'm higher. uh, I don't know about the Rays. I don't know, but I I, I think right now I have the Blue Jays as the number three team in the division.
0: Yeah, interesting is the operative word. They they did what they set out to do. They wanted to improve that outfield defense. They get Kiermaier, they get Dalton Varsho who is a stud, but they decide to lose Teoscar Hernandez. Like they they opt out of Teoscar Hernandez and they trade Lourdes Gurriel Jr. too, although that might just be the price you pay to get Varsho. And Belt is is a great hitter and, and there's still power there, but uh, yeah what a funky offseason although one that met their checkpoints they, they said they want to get uh, you know improve this outfield defense they do they want to get faster they do but they're losing some of that trademark Toronto thump uh, you, you're looking at outfielders who are available before we get to uh, we're going to do best and worst off seasons right before we sign off but uh, one final update on the Brian Reynolds trade talks just because this is going to be the... Re- we thought we were going to have to do Otani every episode. We're probably going to have to do Brian Reynolds. But the latest on Reynolds is is certified uh, banana land, like you say. Um, John Heyman reported just before we got on that they're asking the Yankees for two of Oswald Peraza, Anthony Volpe, and Jason Dominguez in a four prospect package. That's a hefty price to pay for someone who might be a six-war player, might be a three-war player. We all like Brian Reynolds, but... Some of us love, some of us like, and even the ones who love are like two of those guys. Really? We sure? Uh, The Texas Rangers have sort of emerged as, I don't want to give them favorite status, but if if Pittsburgh is looking for high-end pitching, they've really got it. They got Jack Leiter. They got Owen White ranked ahead of Jack Leiter in terms of most prospect evaluations. Brock Porter's in their top 10 prospects. Kumar Rocker is there which has led to uh, people in the comments saying, you know, when do we just give the Rangers Brian Reynolds? Cause it's, it's, uh... oh yeah, here's where we go. <laughs> when is Reynolds getting dealt to the Rangers? We all know it's coming only a matter of <laughs> um, You know, I'm not willing to go that far, but if that's what they're looking for, if they're looking for A, a haul and B, pitching, the Rangers are certainly willing to pay in terms of either prospect capital or money and uh, they've got the pitching. So I- I'm sort of done connecting the Yankees to these-, these Pittsburgh Pirates as long as that's what the Pirates want. I-, I don't know how you read this market right now.
1: Yeah, I'm of the belief that Reynolds is not going to be traded this offseason because of that high asking price. Is Like, that has blown teams away. And as Heyman said, like, that's basically been, like, a, I mean, it's not directly like what Juan Soto's package was, um, but, like, it's, it's a lot um also interesting comments there um but anyways (laughs) um yeah i mean there's obviously there's there's plenty of interest i feel like almost every team in the league has probably checked in on brian reynolds at this point but um i i just can't see him being traded with the asking price being this high and you know what i can't blame the pirates for aiming high here um because he's still under contract for multiple seasons they can be picky they can wait this out um but it, it's it's tough because when you enter spring training, after he ended up making that trade request, is it going to be awkward in the clubhouse? It's going to be a constant question that players are going to be asked about. Um, and I, I wonder just how much of a distraction it might be. That being said, I can't blame Reynolds for making this trade request because the offer that they made him was ultimately – it was really – it was not indicative – of what he's worth. Uh, there was basically no shot that was going to be accepted. Um, and you know what? It's it's unfortunate because I really like what the Pirates are building. I think they have a really good base of talent in their minor league system. Like I, Their minor league system is looking pretty good right now. Um, they have talent on the major league roster, but Br- Brian Reynolds is a key piece. If they're not able to keep him, then I just don't know what they're – their future is going to look like here, but we'll see. Um, maybe, maybe time smooths it over. Who knows?
0: Hey, maybe, maybe everyone attacking the Red Sox front office for being cheap meant Ben Charrington. They meant the old Red Sox front office. Who knows? Um, Masataki Yoshida, the best signing of the offseason in the comments. I, I don't know what to do with Masataki Yoshida. I wish I knew, but the steamer projection, you're right, of 140 WRC plus. Definitely has me going like, what, what do they know? Brian Windhorse meme. What does he know? Um, if Yoshida is that yes, incredible off season for sure. Um, And I, I think we're all sort of excited to see what that looks like before we sign off that ties directly into uh, the team that signed Yoshida. I know you have thoughts. We, we elucidated them earlier in the show, um, but I wanted to do new year. The off season's not over, but we're at a point where we can assess the bulk of what these teams are doing. And I want to get your thoughts on the three teams that you would deem the biggest winners and the three teams that at this point, and they've got a little bit of time to turn it around, you would call the biggest losers. So let's start with the winners. What are the three teams that you would pinpoint as the ones that you think have improved the most this off season?
1: So before I answer that question, I see a comment here from Nick M Mm -hmm. asking if the angels are a fit for Michael Walker. Yes. I also think they're a fit for Zach Britton, too. Just throwing that in there. Um, But to answer your question now, um, my three offseason winners, I would go with the Mets, even despite missing on Correa. I would go with the Philadelphia Phillies, and i go with the Chicago Cubs. I think what the Mets did, even without Correa, has been nothing short of masterful. Correa was not someone that they needed. It was more of a luxury than anything. Um, and having him at third base would have been a really cool thing next to one of his best friends in Francisco Lindor. Um, but they're still in a position where they should win around 100 games. That division is bonkers, by the way. I mean, with the Phillies and the, and the Braves, we're looking at three, like, really freaking good teams there.
0: They all got better. Like, Sean yeah. Murphy is on the Braves now. Trey Turner's on the – I know it's been a while. It's been a long yeah. offseason but they're all great. The Phillies just traded for Gregory Soto out of nowhere. The Phillies are getting a bullpen guy every week and a half.
1: Yeah, no, they absolutely are. And like um, that Trey Turner addition for them, it, it, it comes down to that for me is getting him for 300 million and upgrading that shortstop position to the point where you have such an elite player who I think is the best shortstop in baseball. That's huge. And also it goes to show what exactly Philadelphia is building there when he turns down 42 million additional dollars from the San Diego Padres to go play in Philadelphia, like I have never heard of someone turning down the chance of being in San Diego. Like San Diego is beautiful. I would love to be in San Diego, but I mean, I guess I won't, I'll, I'm in Scottsdale. Uh, so I guess I can't complain too much, but also beautiful. Um, it, it, see, they, he knows. Um, and Phil, I think Dave Dombrowski has done a great job there. And the Cubs, like what they've done, um, in terms of upgrading that that roster, adding that shortstop that they've been looking for for the last two years, um, adding a, a really good starting pitcher in Jamison Tyone, um, and they've done a lot of different moves here too. Um, I think it's been really smart. And as I said before, uh, tip of the hat to Jed Hoyer.
0: Yeah, I I think that um, I cannot argue with any of these points. And I think that the NL East is disgusting. Uh, I Now – your losers. I suspect. I know a few of these teams, and I suspect that I don't think our comment section is going to be terribly happy. But <laughs> which are which are the three teams that you would say at this point the offseason has not been what you expected, and, and uh, might need to look ahead to the next one.
1: The Giants are one, um, just because of their inability to close on a deal for a shortstop. Like the the Carlos Correa thing was not their fault. Um, But I I thought it was pretty important for them to leave with an elite player, uh, whether it was Correa or whether it was Aaron Judge. Mm -hmm. Um, And they missed on both of their guys. Um, So I I think that's what puts them in the loser column. The Brewers, uh, they got William Contreras from the Braves for basically Estuary Ruiz. And that was a good move. Um, But they didn't sign a major league free agent until like a few days ago. It was Wade Miley. And to me, they just haven't gotten that much better. Um, and I know it's it's a bit of a tricky period for the Brewers because they got to keep in mind the possible extensions for Burns, Woodruff, and or Willie Adamas. Um, so it kind of limits what they can do, but I would put them in the loser category uh, for this offseason. And then finally, the Boston Red Sox. Um, it's, uh, it's been a difficult winter for Heimbloom. Um And I think that is putting it lightly. Losing out on Xander Bogarts, that's tough. Uh, They had a chance to retain him early, like when they ended up offering him, what was that, that one year contract during the season or right before the season started last year? Um, And that was just a slap in the face right there. And it was at that point, he was going to be, he was destined for free agency. And as soon as he hit free agency, other teams got interested and the Padres absolutely blew out. Or blew the Red Sox's offer like out of the water. Um, it was it was not even close. And they lost him, they lost out on Nathan Ovaldi. Um, they lost, I mean, Rich Hill. And they're probably gonna lose Michael Waka.
0: Yep.
1: Um that's tough. That's really tough. So JD I, Martinez. I, I somehow forgot JD Martinez too. Um, I would probably put them number one in terms of offseason losers, even after getting Devers back.
0: Yeah. And, and I, am hesitant to put the giants in there, I, I guess. But then during this pod, uh, Susan Sluster just tweeted Farhan's 80 speaking right now. Farhan's 80 says team is comfortable with Lamont Wade at first and Jack Peterson at DH now. So that's not going to do it out there. Sorry. That's just, that's not going to do it. Oof. Oof. Um, yeah. well these losers have a chance to become winners by the end of the season. Not every offseason loser, is a loser in October. Not every offseason winner gets a job done when the heat is on. So take it with a, uh, you know, keep, keep that hope alive, folks. Remember, Carlos Correa can sign with the Twins twice. Anything can happen. Uh, until next time, uh, that's it for this edition of the Baseball Insiders. Uh, Robert, thanks so much for joining me as always. Thanks to everybody for joining us in the comments, on the stream. If you missed this stream and you're catching up later, um if you're here live i'm not talking to you right now but if you miss this stream and you're watching later the audio feed will be available on all the podcast platforms uh that we know and love there's nowhere to miss it uh i would say that yeah the dodgers offseason is pretty close up there for losers too our friend obviously a burner i would consider swapping them in there we're getting to that's it dude it's 55 minute episodes the typical length yeah. of an episode of baseball insiders what, what do you want from me man
1: Yeah. Uh- um, what that Tato two, four, nine, three, five, two, eight. Come on. Yeah. You're, uh, I, you're a loyal listener. So I, I, I won't give you too much
0: flack. You here, are, but. you are a loyal listener. And I will assure you that we will be back and we're going to continue to answer your off season questions next week. We're taking a break from the live shows, uh, but we're going to have a great interview running uh, that I think you guys are going to like. So please stay tuned to the channel and hit subscribe now. Uh, and the interview's already banked by the way, Robert. So we, we know it's good. Like we we've already done it. We saw it. It's, it's good.
1: Oh, yeah. It's very good. Can we even say who it is? Let's say who it is.
0: Yeah, go for it.
1: So it's uh, Jack Flaherty with the St. Louis Cardinals. He was gracious enough to give us, what, about 30 minutes uh, of his time? And super insightful. He gave us a lot of good insight. And even has got a nice little nugget about his shortstop background. So it's a little bit of a tease, but I will tell you, it is the absolute goods. Um, And the way that you can see it, by the way, Adam, I don't know if you knew this or not um is yeah. if you like subscribe um and do that because it allows us to post videos like that and also puts food in our table and allows me to drink this coca-cola during the show so we appreciate you really for that
0: yeah your likes and subscribes send me to billy joel at madison square garden um i go every month no, that's not true but some people do i think not me i've been twice it's very fun yeah my source is um, but jack all... Flair...
1: yeah you're there <laughs> every, every <laughs> week you're there every week
0: i'm pretty confident i've been twice and i'm pretty confident the second time is when i received the novel coronavirus so very oh, exciting yeah. probably not gonna go back probably not gonna yeah. go back but it's a good concert um I, I jack Flaherty made me laugh out loud and fist pump with his answer about his and shortstop play so look forward to that for sure um and we didn't get to ask him about it matt when we talked to jack Flaherty, matt Holiday was still his bench coach and now he is not. So I guess we'll maybe figure out what happened there at some point soon and hopefully talk about it next episode. But uh, until next time, Robert, thanks so much for joining me, man. Uh, thanks so much for talking me through this, uh, an absurd amount of baseball news and rumors. And uh, we'll have more for you in two weeks when we're back live until then. Enjoy Jack Flaherty. Enjoy the episode. Watch it again. Uh it gets better the second time you start to pick up on stuff you missed the first time sure. actually. Uh, but Goodbye to everybody. Thanks so much for joining us as always. And Robert, you're the man. You're the man. Thank you. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust. So I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound. All with your card and a digital coupon.